join in. Well, welcome everybody to the Blow Out Podcast. We're your host, Alex and Tucker. And this week, we're playing a little bit of catch up. Um, We promise this is not a bi weekly show. Yeah. Life life has been busy. Um, But we did watch the Emilia Romano Grand Prix a couple weeks back at Emila. And uh, we're going to kind of recap a bit of that. Uh, It was also. This Imola was the first sprint race uh, of the sea of of the season. I think it's the first of three. And then we also want to talk about kind of an interesting uh, interesting controversy or or kind of drama going on actually in the tuning car scene, which is not something we talk a ton about on the show. But but you know I have I have a lot of early roots in in Japanese tuning cars with my Integra and then the S2000 and, and STI. So I, I, I follow it, uh, to some yeah. degree. So, uh, and there's interesting, uh, interesting kind of clash between a, a major manufacturer and in, in the tuning cars world and, and it's customers right now. So it's kind of yeah. interesting yeah. to talk about, but, uh, so the Emilia Romano Grand Prix at Imola, uh, the first sprint race, uh, so qualifying Max Verstappen finished first, um, and then in the sprint race, uh, Charles Leclerc actually got a really nice jump on him and yeah. took the, took, took an early lead and held it for the majority of, of the race. Um, but then Max ended up catching up with him and passing him. Uh, so Max won the sprint race with Charles in second and then Sergio, uh, in third and then Carlos in fourth. So basically a, a Red Bull Ferrari kind of lock out of the top four spots as you'd expect. Um, but what was heartening to see was that, that the McLarens of, of Lando Norris and Daniel Ricciardo were fifth and sixth. So yeah. McLaren kind of continuing to show that they've refound their pace a bit. Uh, but then it got kind of crazy in the, in the, in the race itself. So it was wet all weekend and rain races always have a little bit of, you know, something crazy always happens. Yeah. It adds an interesting variable to the equation. Yeah. So in the, in the first. <laughs> In the first lap, uh, Daniel Ricardo uh, kind of got—I don't—I don't know. I the commentators were kind of split on I think whether Danny was at fault, but he kind of didn't have. He said he got pushed from behind. I don't know that I saw that, but he basically kind of pinballed into Carlos Sainz and knocked Carlos into the gravel trap backwards yeah, and. Yeah, poor guy. <laughs> poor Carlos. Dude. So he he couldn't get out of the gravel trap, and so his his race was over uh, pretty much immediately. So Carlos's Let's bad luck. Let's not make this a habit. <laughs> yeah, Carlos's bad luck kind of continues, which I feel for the guy. Yeah, he's, I really do feel bad. Yeah, I feel bad he's, for him. He's uh, you know, he deserves a bit better than that. Um, you know, and not to be a jerk, but there's some people on the. And and I you know I don't really hate anybody on that the collection of drivers mm-hmm. but there's just some people that end up getting stuck in the gravel trap and you're like yeah it's kind of satisfying like, excellent <laughs> but, yeah but I don't really wish anything he's just such a nice guy and good team player that I just yeah well I just want to see him be successful so it kind yeah of pains me to seen him uh, have two races end that way I know it's it's a real bummer and mm-hmm. and the. You know, and the last time it was it was his fault, but this time there was really nothing he could do about it. Um, and then uh, Alonso, Fernando Alonso, actually uh, had what looked like a pretty benign 
kind of coming together with Mick Schumacher. Uh, but Mick's front and left tire, I think it was, kind of tapped the side pod and actually yeah. ended up damaging it to the point that was like a part of the side pod flew like a off. Huge, yeah, and you know, I, I, I suppose those things are pulling in quite a bit of air and creating, a, you know, maybe like a pressure gradient mm-hmm. for the, to the engine or... And and so all of that, I mean, once they hit the straights and they're, you know, going blisteringly fast, there's just a lot of load put on that. So, right. you know, even though it's a strong material, if it got, you know, crunched all mm-hmm. the way around, I, I remember, I don't remember who he was alongside, but all of a sudden it was like, boof gone yeah yeah it's like uh, half of his car <laughs> yeah i forget who it was but the uh yeah the in car it was like the driver's perspective from the guy that was alongside of him and you just yeah see, <laughs> it's like a decent sized section of the car like, oh my gosh I know, um, yeah. so, so, and so he ends up coming bad. in and he's like he's like asking his race engineer how bad is it and the race yeah. engineer is like, <laughs> it's really bad <laughs> yeah he did say that like can I keep driving? <laughs> yeah, it's like no, no, we're retiring the car. No, you're done. Sorry. Yeah, it was pretty funny, but uh, so that was all kind of early in the race. Um, and one of the kind of interesting talking points too was that you know it started out the race was in the wet, and then the track was drying out as time went on. And usually for a ra- for when there's kind of inclement conditions, the DRS is not enabled until. It, the the conditions are deemed kind of safe, you know, for that sort of thing. And it was really weird. The track was dry for like probably 10, 15 laps and they're still don't, not enabling DRS. And, and you know, it, it led to some kind of interesting racing because you would expect there was passing that almost certainly would have happened if DRS had been enabled that just never was kind of never happened because of, uh, the race director had not enabled it, and they finally enabled mm-hmm. it. I think like halfway through the race or something like that. It was it was a significant yeah. amount of time. Yeah, um, you know, and I, I mean, <clears throat> you saw a couple of people. You know, the racing line certainly was drying out, mm-hmm. and um, but a couple people, you know, like looked as though they could be in a situation to pass, but had to bail out just because right. they ended up on the wet side of the track, and so I'm. I'm sure they were doing it out of kind of an abundance of caution, but you know, sure. maybe it just went on too long um, mm-hmm. and just kind of wasn't, un- wasn't necessary, but you know, that's with, um, you remember uh, last year, uh, Valtteri and uh, George Russell's collision. Mm-hmm. And, and so I'm sure they were just kind of reflecting on stuff like that and just thinking, you know, let's not, let's mm-hmm. not open these, open this up too early and um, right. have some kind of bad accident was kind of what my guess was. I, I just remember yeah. reading some people complaining about that. And I thought I get it. I mean, it would have been nice to have it earlier, but I'm sure they were just trying to be safe. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I'm sure they're prioritizing safety. It was just, it was, it was curious because even the commentators after a while were like, why is yeah, okay, let's not enabled? Like, this get is this ridiculous. going. Let's get this going. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, so at, at, you know, Max and, and Charles were really kind of uh, going back, you know, back and forth. Max was in, in the lead, but Charles was, was pushing quite a bit and he ended up 
uh, it was a really bummer. It was, I don't know, how many, four or five laps may left in the race, something like that. Um, yeah, that's true. It was, it was later on in the race, actually. And, uh, and Charles basically tried to cut a curb, yeah. tried to cut a curb to, to gain a little bit more time back mm-hmm. and upset really up. I mean, he basically yeah, went airborne. Yeah, basically, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and couldn't make the next, next turn. And so he went off, uh, he was able to keep going, but he dropped all the way back, uh, and ended up finishing in sixth. So it was interesting because, you know, one of the things we've been saying about Charles is he's always been incredibly fast, you know, and dating back to his, you know, FP two days, like he, everyone said, this guy is unbelievably fast, but until this year, he had, uh, he had a habit of kind of making the the one mistake that was super costly in a race, and yeah. whether it was you know, uh, you know the clipping clipping the wall at Monaco or or you know whatever, there was always something that would happen with him. Uh, and this this year, he's avoided that up, up until yeah, now. True. Like he's he's been you know spot yeah. on, and so this was kind of interesting to see a little bit of kind of the old Charles come back of like, Mm -hmm. you know, he, and I think it's just because he knows it's going to be a dog fight with Max every single race all season for the driver's championship. And so he, he knows that, you know, if there's a second, you know, half second to be gained, he's got to try and do that. I think so. You know, in years past, the Red Bulls were just, plainly faster than the Ferrari. So right. some of those um, mistakes that he made were probably just pushing it beyond the limit. Mm-hmm. And this year he's got a fast car. And so I think when he's out in front and is kind of just managing tires, managing the race, yeah, you know, he's maybe no, less, sure. le- yeah, exactly. Like less likely to commit those errors, but you know, mm-hmm. when you're trying to catch up with a guy like Max, you you do have to push the limit, and you're going to have to, you know, run the risk of maybe making some forced errors. Like, hey, right. if I can cut this corner here, maybe I can shave off a little time, mm-hmm. and kind of like that. I think it was him in Monaco where he just clipped that wall. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. It's just one of those things. You know, you're trying to cut corners and. Uh, well, and, there are some places on the track to do it, and then there are some places where it's just not as forgiving. Right. Yeah, and I and I don't want to single Charles out. Like he he's had some very notable things, and and they tend to happen at Imola in his home race for Ferrari. So it's always yeah more dramatic. But you know, we remember Max on his qualifying lap in Jeddah last year, that famous amazing yeah. lap he was doing, and then he clips the wall and ruins yeah. the wall. You know, I do remember um, that weekend when I was, I think I was watching maybe Drive to Survive, I remember them talking about him not being well that weekend. Like, Oh, Max? Yeah, I, yeah, I don't like, know if he... Yeah, like, and I was just thinking to my, myself, I don't know how the hell you guys do this while you're sick. Yeah, he's... You know, he, if you've been puking your guts out for a yeah. night or, you know, whatever. Yeah. It's like, I, <laughs> and yeah. then you've got a headache from the bright lights. It's like, um, yeah, they were talking crazy. about, that, they were talking about changing out his visor because the lights were giving him yeah. a headache and he was really yeah, dehydrated. So, yeah. It's just, uh, it happens awful. to the best of them. Uh, yeah. uh, but yeah, so Charles finished sixth. Um, 
actually, you know, so it was a huge weekend for Red Bull because they got pole. They won the sprint race, which was worth like eight points in the drivers' championship, and then they finished one two uh, in the in the in the in the full race. So huge points weekend for Red Bull, and really kind of a brutal weekend for Ferrari with Charles in sixth and and Carlos DNFing. Um, so another kind of disappointing race weekend at at Imola in their home race. Um, which yeah, I mean a theme for them. Know, <laughs> what if Red Bull? They've had kind of a three dnfs now both yeah. of them in that first race and then max yeah and in the in the australian grand prix mm-hmm. so that's obviously probably tightened things up a little bit more um, right with the yeah. with the ferraris so yep so now they're now they're back to being competitive this was kind of the the mirror image of of what happened yeah. in Australia with the ferraris you know with well with and that's, that's doing so well what seems to happen you know i mean it's an it's intriguing with these seasons where you know there's there's points in the year where it's like oh, they're gonna walk away with this i mean right. i just don't see how they're not gonna walk away with this and then yeah. the cars evolve and they develop a little bit maybe right. some people go a little bit in the wrong direction some people go in the right direction and all of a sudden it's well it's like the run lewis went on after silverstone last year you know, yeah. it's, you just have these, you have these like almost like momentum shifts. It's really interesting. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. Like, and like you said, it, part of it is how they evolve the car over time. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, speaking of uh, McLaren uh, have done something with their car because Lando, Lando ended up in third this race. Um, they, you know, as I mentioned, they did well in the sprint race um, with fifth and sixth. And so McLaren seems to have figured out what the deal was with their car. Um, Daniel finished in 18th, but that was, I think, part yeah, of exactly. the damage from the, yeah, the, the with Carlos. When he, yeah. When he went off the track. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, 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 yeah, so mean, that's promising. It's, it's really promising. I, I think it's going to be fun to watch that midfield fight because, you know, the Alphatari's seem a bit off the pace, but, uh, Valtteri's still getting results for Alfa Romeo. He got fifth. Um, yeah, McLaren, you know that. I think is really going to give a fight to Mercedes. That, you know, it was it was interesting. Um, I remember it just kind of reminded me of last season when Toto would get kind of, you know, a little bit up in arms, like Valtteri passed the guy, passed the goddamn guy, you right. know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> on, the, yeah. on the mic, and uh, and I and I and I I wasn't sure if it was because of the conditions, you know, maybe the track was still a little bit wet, but really the interesting end to that race was the you know valtteri on mm-hmm. george um, yeah and and, and, and it, honestly he might have finished ahead of george but they had a disastrous pit stop yes um, that is true that's good i think it's like right front got stuck or something yeah. like that so he yeah. he had a he, he lost 10 plus seconds yeah and maybe you know i mean I'm, when you think back to the accident they had last year i wouldn't blame valtteri for being like you know i don't need to put my life on the line here to pass this guy. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, yeah. It was, but no, I, it, was, I it was a great I battle. Really you kept thinking like, Oh, is he going to get him? And he, there were a couple turns where George really had to defend to, to hold on to fourth. Yeah. I, I was actually, I was kind of really hoping that he would pass <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, <laughs> just, so, just for some cosmic justice. <laughs> so the, 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 the other interesting question really coming out of this race for me is, you know, George finished fourth. Lewis had a disastrous qualifying. 
he ended up 13th in the race and just really could never find a way to get past Pierre Gasly uh, in the AlphaTauri in 12th. And, you know, I know that the drivers have slightly different setups on their car and Mercedes may, may try something on Lewis's car, or George's car, you know, but it's interesting to me that George is consistently pretty significantly outperforming Lewis. You know, year. it is, it is interesting. And I, and I can't, I don't obviously have a, pr- a great explanation for that, but I do wonder to some extent, if you think about <clears throat> this era of uh, formula one, you know, the, the prior era seemed to be, you know, turbo hybrid plus super, super high downforce. Mm-hmm. And now it's, you know, turbo hybrid less downforce. I don't even know yeah. quite what you'd call it. The cars are very different now. And so to to some extent, I wonder if, you know, you're asking Lewis, who has, you know, literally kind of perfected right. the prior era. The, yeah, the best driver com- of that era. Yeah, was just commanding. And all the muscle memory, all of the strategy, just he built mm-hmm. himself really around that. And so right. to some extent, maybe it's been harder for him to adapt. Yeah. Because um, he's having to relearn things because he had such a good car and George had such a bad car. Yeah. And now he has a half decent car and he's a very, very good driver, obviously. Yeah. And so he's just adapting maybe quicker. I think you're onto something. I think he, you know, if the, assuming the cars are that different, which it seems like they are there, Lewis is having to unlearn a lot of muscle memory potentially, or, or he's having to learn how to drive tracks differently because he doesn't have as much downforce or he's got to figure out, you know, how to pass with this. Yeah. that's one thing, Lewis, not that he, he can't do it. Obviously, he's one of the greatest drivers of all time. He can do everything. But, you know, he, in the last, what, five, six years, seven years, has not had to do much passing, <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's Most that's of Lewis's point. races in, in the last seven years have been, have been about tire management, yeah. driving smart, and, and basically driving away from the field, you know, that's something you yeah. always said, like, it was like the first lap would happen and then Lewis would be gone. Yeah. And, and if you think about, I, when I think of Lewis, probably the most impressive skill set that I, I think he, he's kind of weaponized was tire management. Yeah. For sure. um, and I think with the differences in downforce, he's really having to kind of rework that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, and, and, and then on the other hand, he's obviously at a different point in his career mm-hmm. where maybe he's, I don't know if growing tired is the right phrase, but he's been doing this a while. He's proven himself, you know, right. um, I'm sure he'd love to, you know, have a couple more seasons on top, but maybe the motivation level just isn't quite to the same extent. It would be it would be really hard. You know, he's a champion. He's going to fight, but it would I think really hard to come off of seven years of absolute dominance, and then now you're now you're fighting in the mid pack. Like it would be demoralizing. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and that's probably something that that he's he is wrestling with. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, and I and I I can't really say if 
to me, that explanation holds some credence, but the, you know, the truth is other drivers like Max have kind of made the transition, mm-hmm. you know, relatively seamlessly. So I don't know. I'm not, I'm not really sure quite what's going on uh, with Lewis. I do feel a little bit, you know, bad for him, but I, I don't know. I, I kind of expect that he'll get it sorted. Yeah. Um, I think he's, he is just he's so too good. good a driver. Yeah. He's too good yeah. a driver not to figure it out. And whether he'll contend for the championship, I think, it's probably unlikely. I think Mercedes still, I mean, you watch, you know, Imola's got a, a few really, you know, it's a fairly high speed track. And I, it struck me seeing on slow-mo replays and stuff, how horrific the porpoising still is for Mercedes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, you know, I wouldn't put anything past that, them. They, they, they're that a, would um, also be very demoralizing. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're a well-oiled machine, but they've, they've got a pretty big mountain to climb. But that being said, you know, we've seen, I mean, McLaren went from literally back of the pack to now competing for podiums. So yeah. And to be honest with you, I, I'm not shedding any tears for Mercedes. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just so, I was just had gotten so sick of it. Um, and and the truth is you like angry Toto. That's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I do get a kick. (laughs) (laughs) Throwing the microphones or yelling nine, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of funny, but really, at the end of the day, what I wanted to see is just more competition. Yeah, and, right. And that's and we're what we're seeing that. this year, and I'm super, super satisfied yeah. with that. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't. I Shout don't out to Amag getting an, a ninth place, <laughs> more points for us. No, it's true. I mean, I, I every really, every race really you. Have, that, you don't know is, what the mid pack is going to going to yeah, have in and it, and that and that is fundamentally one of the most satisfying things about this year is, yeah, Haas played their cards right, and it's working mm-hmm. out really nicely for them, and I'm yeah. so happy because on Drive yeah. to Survive and and kind of everybody has really kind of thought of in a way, kind of treated them and thought of them as kind of a service. as a joke, yeah, yeah, and and it's nice to see like no these guys are good drivers and they Mm -hmm. can build a good car and they can do it on a budget that is very different than these other manufacturers. I will love if after all the money that's been spent, if Haas ends up above Aston Martin. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Me too, man. man. I I do hope for that as well. (laughs) It'd be so good. Well, let's leave it there. Uh, It was a fun race and, and, can kind of continued interesting storylines going into the next race, which is the inaugural Miami GP next weekend. Yeah. <laughs> we'll yeah. see how Quintessential that American circus. race. Yeah. We'll <laughs> yeah. see how that circus plays out with its manufactured <laughs> marina. In the yeah. The yeah. Um, I, I agree. Hopefully it's, hopefully it's a good race. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Well, it, it'll be, I think it'll be a shit show, but <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Right. We'll see. Yeah. Um, but we, we did want to talk about, um, as I said, this really kind of interesting drama happening in the in the tuner car community. So, you know, for a long time, uh, there have been aftermarket tuning companies that have been working on cars, you know, making huge horsepower, especially out of forced induction cars. Uh, and a lot of the, you know, part of the way they do that is by modifying ECU tunes, and that can involve modifying certain parts of the car that are involved in emissions. Uh, and so it's been tricky because, you know, particularly for things like the carb emission standards in California, 
pretty much any modification is going to make you incompatible uh, and you're not going to pass the CARB uh, evaluation. But now, you know, the, the federal government's starting to kind of step in, obviously, with climate change. Um, they're starting to take a lot of these um, emissions regulations more seriously. And uh, a company named Cobb Tuning, uh, Cobb does a, a, makes parts for a lot of different cars, but they're really kind of most known, in my opinion, for their Subaru tuning. Uh, Cobb makes a, an ECU tuning device called an access port. And access tuner software system that they use can modify the ECUs um, and kind of including modifying the emission stuff. And so uh, they can bypass things like O2 sensors and whatnot. Um, and so Cobb were looking at the situation and, and knowing that they were not, they were going to run afoul of the government and potentially face a lot of fines for this stuff. So they initiated what they called their um, Project Green Speed. Uh, and basically what they said is all these parts that up until a month ago we have sold, uh, we're not going to support them anymore <laughs> because yeah. they can get us in trouble. And yeah. and this is, Cobb is one of the biggest aftermarket tuning companies there is. And they one of the things they make is what's called a flex fuel kit, which allows... Um, the use of uh, cars that normally have to run, you know, normal gasoline, they can run E85 ethanol. And that is one of the things that actually allows a lot of these tur turbocharged cars like STIs and stuff to make big horsepower. And they basically discontinued all support of the flex fuel kits. And so there's a lot of owners that up until, like I said, up until a month ago, were buying these, they were getting them installed by their local tuning shop or whatever. <clears throat> And now there's no support. There's not going to be any updates. They're basically, Cobb is basically disowning this entire part of their business. And on top of all that, they didn't really give any indication to anybody that they were going to be doing this anytime soon. Um, yeah. One of the, the, the story on the drive, they talked to a, a few different tuning shops. And one of the tuning shops said, you know, we knew something was going to have to happen eventually, but... We had no idea it was going to happen this soon and, and, in, and in this way where it was like, uh, you know, if you have our products, you're, you're yeah. kind of out of luck, which is a bummer because, I mean, a lot yeah. of the owners of these cars, you know, they're, they're building their dream car. You know, they bought their, they finally saved up, they bought their WRX and they save their money and they put together, you know, all these parts and they're getting them installed. And now... Basically, they're useless because they can't, you know, the flex fuel kit isn't going to be supported. They can't use their access port to tune it. And so I understand why they did it. But the idea of screwing over like, the vast majority of your customers seems like a really bizarre business move. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, I mean, obviously, we maybe don't know the full backstory to it, but it's pretty clear something must have spooked them. Yeah. And they, they must have talked with their legal department and the legal department probably communicated, yeah, we don't want to screw around with this. Now, mm -hmm. you know, the so they must have been scared enough by whatever. I don't know what it is, but I agree that the piece of this that doesn't make a lot of sense is the, you know, 
you guys are screwed. We're not supporting this anymore. Um, right. I think it probably would have made more sense to have said, we will support these products that have been sold from these dates going forward, you know, as, as long as, you know, your car is working or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, because that doesn't seem un- unreasonable. It's not like with this, you know, climate change stuff where, saying like okay you got a gas car we're not going to support that anymore right you know or like for instance myself i've got an old classic and the honest to god truth is that bmw 2002 ti was was not brought over to america because it didn't meet emission standards and that was back Mm. in the 70s Yes, which is crazy, right? Like, how is that even possible that it didn't need emission standards? (laughs) Right, yeah. We had emission standards in the 70s. Yeah, (laughs) we drove to savage beasts back then. Like, yeah. So, um, you know, and so that that is really kind of the question going, going forward is in terms of tuning, what is you know what it what it strikes me is probably occurring is i I know they call this you know green speed or whatever they've coined Mm -hmm. it but it's probably saying staying within spec yeah and if if you maybe want to be out of spec then maybe you're driving a race car like a legitimate like you can't drive this on the streets right if you want stage three type tuning and Maybe for classic cars, maybe they say, I, frankly, I don't know how you'd enforce this because uh, half of them, the odometer doesn't work anymore. But maybe they say you're you're limited to a certain amount of driving. Like maybe, um, you, you know, you have to have, I don't know how that would work. Um, almost but, like they do a show and display cars yeah, that they import and you say you yeah, can't more than 3,000 yeah. miles a year. Yeah, and then they just enforce that, you know, like, okay, why are you driving this? Or where's the show that you're taking this to right, yeah. with your collector plate? Well, you know, so that's um, the key is like the the an article made this this point that you know modifying cars is getting harder and harder and with, with emissions yeah. regulations. Yeah, it's, it's you know, it's probably going to continue to get harder and and it's interesting because it it's kind of like the it's like the Jeff Goldblum Jurassic Park thing. Like life finds a way. Like people will always be modifying their cars. Yeah. Like we're already seeing people modifying Teslas and stuff. Um, yeah, it's just it's. I think it's in the nature of the car enthusiasts that I think so. Yeah, we'd like to fiddle with well, stuff. <laughs> well, and like and like I said to you, um, to some extent, <clears throat> I don't. Maybe it doesn't change anything, but you know, perhaps it it forces some people who were a little bit on the fence about the tuning mm-hmm. and they say, okay, I'm just going to buy the, the, I'm just using this as an example. I'm just going to buy the turbo S. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not right. going to get a four S and then pump, you know, 15 grand of equipment into it to have turbo S level performance. Right. Because the turbo S meets emission standards and I don't have to, Model, you know, yeah. yeah. So, so maybe to some extent, maybe it pushes some people back into the kind of manufacturer's pecking order where you have to pay a whole bunch of extra money mm-hmm. for this, you know, additional performance. And then, like you said, I think in states where this isn't really enforced, 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like let's say in in Texas, you got to go get your car inspected. I mean, that right. could really cause an issue if it's like, whoa, 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 you know, where's this? Where's that? What's this? Right. Maybe they maybe they literally hook it up to uh, testing equipment. And say, uh, uh, I don't know what you got going on in there, but you need to get it fixed. You know, it's not approved well, for the next year. Well, that's what's um, always made me nervous about about modifying cars you know i and my integra was heavily modified but like generally speaking if i put in an aftermarket ecu uh an aftermarket aftermarket internals in the engine you know all this sort of stuff you know is can i then take say i have a a wrx that did all that too and i go to Mm -hmm. the subaru dealer to you know get some maintenance done or they just gonna be like, uh, yeah, no, we're not working on this car. I I agree. I mean, I think, I think it's a real kind of pickle because as you said, there is so much more software in these cars, you know, soon you're going to have potentially, maybe maybe there's more hybrid drive trains out there. So you're monkeying with Mm -hmm. not only internal combustion stuff, but you know, battery electric components, Mm -hmm. all the modifications, and here's the other thing, man, which I don't know, maybe, maybe this, maybe this is um, upsetting to some people, but, you know, back in the 2000s or maybe even the 90s, you know, making, doing some of these modifications was kind of extracting a, something out of the car that really improved the driving experience. But yeah. when it's like we're modifying, you know, Hellcats and Raptors that are already ballistically fast, like what the hell are we doing? Yeah, um, it, you it you can't really you can't really like access the performance on really street driving. Yeah, for some it of this. About, it becomes about bragging rights. It's kind of like the GTR scene where, like, you know, it's like, well, mine makes twelve thousand twelve hundred rear wheel horsepower or yeah. all wheel horsepower, I guess. You know, oh well, mine makes fifteen hundred. It's like okay, well, outside of the drag strip or doing like you know, rolling races on the highway, which obviously is highly illegal. Like, yeah. what's the point? You know, yeah, and um, and I get it. Like, I as a car person, I I do understand that you know piece of the equation, and I think you're right. I think that someone maybe not as like a big manufacturer will kind of step into this void. Mm -hmm. um you know that doesn't draw the ire of the feds or whatever and uh you know kind of fill this gap that maybe Cobb is moving out of Mm -hmm. and and people will continue to do this and i think they'll probably get away with it and continue to do it up until the point that you know states have some kind of inspection requirement where they're testing your emissions and then you're going to probably have a problem in california yeah yeah if it gets to that point and you know, I think if it does, maybe not in like really conservative States. uh, I think so. I think you might be right. (laughs) I I think you probably might be right. You know, in States where, but but that's the thing though, right? You and I don't have to inspect our cars in Minnesota. Right. And down in Texas, you have to inspect your car. So sometimes these things don't make sense. And, and I think, I think that perhaps what will drive, whether, this gets enforced more or less is just maybe kind of what we see happen around us. You know, if, you know, if you, if you continue to have really bad drought in the West, maybe lots of 
you know, forest fires and then you start people's homes. It's like, well, we don't have water to our home anymore, so we can't sell it. And you start mm-hmm. seeing people migrate out and move and, you know, Demographics a little more, yeah, a little more destabilizing maybe, you know, cause people, when that kind of stuff happens, they look around to cast blame, you know, right. well, who, who's at fault here? Yeah. It's, it's the, <laughs> and it's like, well, it's, it's the 2% of all of us really. Yeah. It's, <laughs> but, it's, but somebody it's, gets the short end of the stick. Yeah. It's the people tuning their WRX. You are at fault here. Yeah. So, you know, so I, I do wonder if that's maybe what will kind of motivate how to what degree and how rapidly that kind of enforcement comes into place. Yeah, it wouldn't. I mean, the thing is that sort of the scapegoating is very easy to do because it oh, classic, it, classic. it's going to affect such a <laughs> small behavior. amount of people <laughs> and you can paint them so easily as like hooligans that, or, <laughs> you know, no one will be like. No one's going to step up to defend the guy that wants a 500 <laughs> horsepower WRX. You know, just, everyone's going to say, yeah, screw that guy. You <laughs> are the reason I don't have water. Right. Yeah. It's it's not the fact that, that I, as yeah. one person, you know, throw out eight bags of trash a week. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, exactly. <laughs> That's just it. Right. It's a collective issue, but we'll we'll totally scapegoat people. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, that, that's about it for this week. Uh, just kind of want to touch on that because it it is it is an interesting like the tuning car scene is super interesting. Yeah, and this is this is a major major player. Um, yeah, in in that scene, that's basically turning their back on a lot of what they were doing. So, um, mm-hmm. but we'll be back next week with uh, hopefully. I don't know if you and I can watch it together live, but that'd be fun. But yeah, uh, that'd be fun. The debut Watch the circus uh, unfold. <laughs> yeah, the debut of the Miami GP. So uh, we look yeah. forward to it. In the meantime, be sure to follow us on Instagram at the Blofeld Podcast. Um, subscribe and rate us on iTunes, Podbean, wherever you get this. And we will see you next week.